AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. <laughs> So get this, um, about 20 minutes ago, I'm writing the intro for the show, and I wrote, the call on corn as of this moment is fractionally sideways. At this point, about 20 minutes later, corn is about two cents lower. We'll, we'll call that fractionally medium changed. Most of the commodity world enjoying some morning strength. We'll, we'll definitely take it. Uh, this morning, we'll check in on fertilizer prices and availability, and then we're going to look in on the pork industry. I'm going to do my best to keep her out of the rhubarb in Chip's absence. Live from Single Seat Radio via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, I'll begin with a conversation with Josh Linville from Stonex. Then it's Dr. David Newman from the National Pork Board and Joe Kearns from Partners for Production Agriculture. And directly following the news, Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. I'm handsome. Capable broadcast, Major D. Davis Michelson. Welcome to AgriTalk, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Glad to have you here. Um, if you've been following the show, if you've been listening in the last few days or so, you may already know that Chip is traveling to the PNW, the Pacific Northwest. Uh, he's uh, he's going to check out some shipping stuff out there. He's, he and Big Apple Joe are headed to a port. I'm not quite insure, uh, quite sure exactly what they're going to find but it does seem very important would you agree <laughs> anyway so i'm here I'm, i'll fill in for him today uh, and then fill in uh, again on thursday so uh really glad to have you with us i'm looking forward to the conversations that we're going to have um almost kind of kind of one of my fallback guests but a vitally important conversation coming up with josh linville from stonex Global trade flows. How much does this Israel thing really impact stuff? What's our risk here? And then, of course, just for domestic supply and stuff, y'all are out in the fields. I'm sure of it. And if you're not, you either were or you're anxious to get a window. Uh, and that means fertilizer is right around the corner and for your fall applications. And so we're going to check in on that, see if see what we've got to look forward to, and maybe even talk about spring. Not quite sure where, where Josh will want to go with that, but... We'll, we'll learn everything that we can. And then, of course, Dr. David Newman from the National Pork Board and Joe Kearns for Partners from Production Agriculture. I'm interested to learn more about what they've got going on there. And so it should be a should be a really great show. And then, of course, Karen Bonert um, to talk a little bit of dairy for us. She's at an event or was. I'm not sure if she's still there. Anyway, she's doing a thing and we'll uh, we'll get the lowdown. It's going to be great. So let's begin with today's news, where according to the National Weather Service, an Alberta clipper will bring very gusty winds and a round of rain across the northern plains later today and Wednesday, spreading into the Great Lakes Wednesday night and early Thursday. A warming trend is in store for the eastern half of the country as an expansive cool air mass moderates. Warm and dry air across much of the western U.S. will spread into the plains, but rainy conditions will remain over the Pacific Northwest. From there, we've got some crop progress uh, highlights from uh, USDA's crop progress and condition update. This as of October 15. I don't know how many more of these we're going to do uh, because at this point, we've got corn 95% mature. That's 3% ahead of the average, 45% uh, harvested ahead of average, 53% good to excellent. That's left unchanged from last week. Soybeans are 97% dropping leaves. Uh, that's well above average. 62% harvested, 10% above average. And 52% good to excellent. That's actually a one percentage point increase from last week on that 52% good to excellent on your soybean ratings. Cotton, 87% balls opening. 88% uh, is the average, so slightly behind there on the balls opening. 33% harvested compares to 32% on average. 30% good to excellent. That's down. 2% from last week. And winter wheat, 68% planted in line with average. 39% emerged slightly behind the average pace. Crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier raised his U.S. corn yield estimate one bushel to 172.5. That's still a half bushel below USDA's forecast for this month. 
His soybean yield was increased three-tenths of one bushel to 49.3 bushels per acre. That's three-tenths of a bushel below USDA's October estimate. In a broadcast on state television, Iran's foreign minister suggested Iran would uh, respond to what they call, quote, war crimes committed in Gaza, and they say all options are open. The President Joe Biden is set to visit Israel and Jordan to reinforce America's support for Israel and hopefully prevent the escalation of its conflict with Hamas in the region. During his visit to Jordan, Biden is expected to meet with Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian president. Pressure is mounting on President Biden from both Democratic and Republican lawmakers to impose more stringent financial sanctions on Iran. Ukraine has reportedly carried out successful strikes on Russian airfields situated near the occupied cities of Luhansk and Berdyansk, as confirmed by officials in Kyiv. While a local Russian-installed official has downplayed the attack, a Russian military analyst has raised concerns that this could be a significant blow to Russia's air force. Uh, This story won't go away. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio is edging closer to the necessary 217 votes to claim the House Speaker seat. Jordan's allies are reportedly working to win support for the conservative Republican and ally of former President Trump. And finally, with provisions in the 2018 Farm Bill having expired, concerns are growing over the potential impact on U.S. dairy policy. Dairy is particularly in focus as it would be the first commodity to revert to permanent law, carrying significant budget implications. With that, why don't we bring in Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. Karen, uh, I've got you in my notes here. You're in Chicago for the World Dairy Summit. Man, that sounds like an awful lot of fun. How's it going? Well, it is fun, and it's the first time that this event has been on the U.S. soil in 30 years. So yesterday morning, Secretary Ag uh, Tom Vilsack kicked the event off, sharing that there's four areas that kind of keep him up at night regarding dairy. Number one is the impact of climate. You know, uh, Davis, farmers are challenged. They have to produce more to feed this increasing global world. And climate challenges impacts their ability to do that. Second, Vilsack talked about the consolidation happening across U.S. agriculture in the last 40 years, that we've seen a dramatic decline. Three was the concentration of income that's unfolding. And for dairy, uh, U.S. dairy last year, we had record income, but that wasn't dispersed evenly, which explains really why so many farms are continue to struggle. And fourth was the international crisis that's caused much disruption to our f- supply chain. Obviously, the war of Russia and Ukraine. Um, and we'll see this, uh, this Middle East war as it continues to unfold what that impact has on us. However, Secretary Vilsack said the Climate Smart Ag creates enormous opportunity, stating that U.S. farmers want a system that's both voluntary and incentive-based. So it's kind of a tell, is the glass half full or half empty? But in my opinion, while we're faced with big challenges, U.S. dairy has big opportunities on the horizon. Well, and, and one of those challenges, Karen, as as we're watching what's going on in Washington and shakeups uh, with the House Speaker position and everything, with provisions of the 2018 Farm Bill having expired, potential impact on U.S. dairy policy. Dairy is first in line if, uh, if once if we don't get a new Farm Bill here. Uh, was there any talk of that up there? Any concerns? There was no talk of the Farm Bill. I did have a conversation a few weeks ago with National Milk uh, CEO Jim Mulhern, who you know is obviously very aware of the situation, is not very hopeful either. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Karen, uh, enjoy Chicago. Thanks for your time this morning. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. That's Karen Bonert from Farm Journal's Milk. We're coming right back on the other side of this quick break with Josh Linville from Stonex. What is the deal with fertilizer? We're going to find out all about it next on AgriTalk. Before those all-important first steps, or that first day of school, and long after graduation caps fly through the air, your dairy checkoff reaches families across moments big and small. Mom, can I have more milk? To nurture a love for dairy. It reinforces the positive role dairy plays in their everyday lives and shares how it's produced with care for our cows and for the earth. Find out how your checkoff is making every drop count at usdairy.com. When it comes to combines, capacity and cost keep going up. 
So if you aren't the largest farm in the county, how do you achieve the high harvesting efficiency of the big operations while still keeping costs in check? Start by checking out the Kloss Trion 740. The latest Kloss Combine delivers high reliability, low maintenance, gentle threshing, and surprising efficiency. The Kloss Trion 740. Learn more at Kloss.com. At Simplot Grower Solutions, success starts with seed. For each field condition, climate, and agronomic management style, your local Simplot Grower Solutions crop advisor can help you select and provide the seed that enables you to plant a strong foundation for the growing season. Our team of seed experts are committed to your success and will offer the support you need to optimize your yield potential. Contact your local crop advisor now for your best seed opportunity or visit SimplotGrowerSolutions.com for more information. This is Andrew McRae, host of The American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. <coughs> Hello? Man, where are you? I thought you were coming. I can't. I'm in bed with the flu. <coughs> the flu? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma's about to crowd, sir. Man, I'll call you back. Don't get stuck at home with the flu. A flu shot is safe, effective, and you can get it at the same time as your COVID-19 vaccine. A flu shot is the best way to prevent the flu and its potentially serious complications. Don't get flu FOMO. Learn more at GetMyFluShot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. AgriTalk is brought to you by Phospholutions, which is excited to launch Rhizozorb, the first fertilizer technology proven across hundreds of field trials to improve grower ROI by 20% and maintain or increase yield with less applied phosphate per acre. Rightio, here we go. AgriTalk, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Uh, let me bring in Josh Linville from Stonex. Uh, last I knew, director of fertilizer, Grand Poobah, I think it was, of Nutrient. Uh, Josh, is that right? You have the Grand Poobah of Nutrient over there at Stonex. Yes, I actually reprinted my uh, my business cards to actually say Grand Poobah. It gets a long look. Everybody likes it. Uh-huh. And does the, I'm imagining the position comes with a fez, too. Do you walk around the office wearing a fez kind of a thing? It does, but oddly enough, it doesn't come with the most important things. That's more zeros on the left side of the decimal point of my uh, my check. It, it, they missed yeah. that part of it. They, they skipped yeah. over it. That's how they get you. That's how they, they give you some fancy title. Oh, he won't even he won't even notice. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. My missus, she will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm afraid there's there's radar active in my house that is a. Uh, looking for similar situations as well. Um, Josh, we're, we're coming up to the time of year when we should probably talk fertilizer anyway, but um, I also do want to kind of get, there's a, I don't know if you've heard, there's a fair amount of conflict, strife, conflagration, etc. in the world. Israel and Gaza is the latest conflict that we add to the list there. So just start me, you know, what... You're looking at the Earth from the Moon, broad view type stuff. How how big a deal is all of these? Are all of these new uh, new dust ups and what have you for fertilizer? Yeah. So last weekend uh, didn't have much of a weekend trying to kind of sift through the sand, if you will, trying to figure the whole situation out and. Mm. At the end of the day, again, we always look at this from a strict fertilizer standpoint, not the humanitarian situation, the political right. situation, but just from the fertilizer side, there are the direct and there's the indirect cause or the uh, situations with this. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of the world came into the office Monday, rip roaring, ready to go, and boy, nitrogen prices are going to fly higher and phosphate and all this stuff mm-hmm. is just going to go higher. 
Well, if you start to actually step away from the emotion of it, the only direct situation in the whole Israel-Palestine's area, Israel is the fourth largest exporter of potash. Not really on nitrogen, not really anything on phosphate, but they are on potash. Now, fortunately, we found that very, very quickly. Operations there, largely untouched. Uh, no real hiccups to production, export flows, anything like that. So it was a non-event. The indirect is where things get a little more spooky. We saw uh, a lot of prices around the world, energy prices starting to spike uh, after the whole situation. You know, you get a lot of fear baked in the marketplace. Prices rise. We saw that in the last two years with fertilizer. Now we saw it with energy, which, of course, leads into the fertilizer production cost. Now, fortunately, we that was what we were dealing with last week. This week, we started out, energy values seemed to be backing off a little bit. Everybody's like, okay, it's not quite as bad as we thought it was going to be. It's not going to be the worst case scenario. We're not back to where we were yet, but a little bit of that stress has been let off. So things have been really quiet. Prices are sliding a little bit more. Fortunately, it, at least for the time being, it's not the horrible black swan event that we thought it might be last week. Um And... And Josh, as I understand, with with Iran, the, we're talking maybe more about dis, disruption to energy supplies rather than finished fertilizers. Correct. Correct. However, uh, there's where we start to get a really, really yeah. scary scenario because we all thought, "Hey, Iran's going to play a part in this." Now we're going to have a regional conflict. Mm-hmm. If you remember the last time we had a war in that area. The big talking point was that Persian Gulf, that pinch point, trying to get uh, – it was all focused on oil shipments, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we can't get stuff through. Everybody's fighting. They might sink the vessel. Well, fertilizer doesn't really get talked about. But guess what? There's a lot of fertilizer that works through that exact same channel. Yeah. So that's where we started to really get nervous. And we put out a map uh, last week, uh, Friday of last week, showing that if you look at North Africa and the Middle East as a whole, they account for just over 50% of the global export of urea worldwide. Wow. So you're talking about a situation, if this does flare up in a worst-case scenario, mm-hmm. it's going to have big, big ramifications on the nitrogen market. Can we talk phosphates just a little bit? I have no idea where Morocco might lean in all of this. Are they, do they typically tend to, does Morocco tend to stay a little bit neutral and maybe lean toward commerce rather than strife? I think so, and I really hope so, because we don't need more help in this whole situation, right? Everybody can just stay home, hopefully stay out of the whole situation. But, yeah, yeah, I think that for the most part, I've not really heard their name come up. I've not really heard them be a discussion point. In fact, nobody's really talked about Morocco since that major earthquake that they had a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, We sort of downplay the impact of the what's happening in the natural gas industry in Australia, um, we tend to downplay the potential for that to impact us here. But globally, I really feel like there may be at least some some story there with Australia. Are you are you up on this situation at all? Can you talk to us about it? I haven't been tracking it a whole lot. It, just yeah. from the, st- the standpoint that there's going to be less and less production there. Uh, the production that was there, at least when I was based over in Melbourne. They had supply agreements that kept them at a very cheap input uh, cost. They have since lost that from the government, and so they've become less and less of a player. They're more dependent on imports than they have been. So I haven't tracked it as much as I should. Okay. So probably a non-issue, but, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts is is always a concern, especially after what Europe endured last year. And there were those saying, oh, no, 24 is going to be the year that you got to look out for uh, Mm -hmm. as far as wintertime in the European Union, um, from the reports I've seen, they feel like they've got their nat gas kind of hooked up and ready in storage for winter over there. I don't know. You can't predict whether or not we're going to see more production curtailments in Europe. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to try because yeah. I can barely stay ahead of the fertilizer market half the time. But <laughs> I will say I had a couple uh, forecasts, longer range forecasts for Europe sent to me this morning that were indicating Europe looks like, at least for today, Looks like it's going to have another warm winter. If that's the case, and we all know weather can change in an instant, it could be one of the coldest they've ever had. But if we have another warm winter, we're going to do exactly like we did last year. They've got plenty of inventory to start off with. Demand will be down because the domestic side doesn't need it because it's warmer than they expected. 
and all of a sudden prices start taking more and more hits. We start having that conversation. Maybe we restart more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the U.S. government that I see is is throwing money at domestic fertilizer production. Um, the amount of money that they're, they're throwing at it, to me, looks like we're talking about existing facilities, maybe getting some updates, maybe some expansions and things like that. Is that how you read that? Yes. So I believe it was two commodity classics ago where uh, they came on stage and they said, we really need to help the fertilizer industry. Uh, we are going to be providing a quarter billion dollars. And for the most common person out there, and myself fully included, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they came back and they doubled it. They said, we're going to do half a billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. The problem is, when we start to look at what it takes to build a brand new world-scale facility, you know, not just a, a local, regionalized, small facility, but something large that can deal and stay relatively efficient, you're talking billions of dollars. Uh, the last yes. one we did was up in Iowa. And mm-hmm. I think that one, at the end of the day, ended up three or four billion. I'm trying to go off memory here. Yep. Yep. And think about the inflation that since then, the, the, the cost for manpower and the steel and everything else that goes into it. Mm-hmm. You're probably four, five, six billion at this point. So yeah. you think about it, $500 million is a lot of money. That's barely a 10% down payment on a new facility. So yeah, to your point, it is a lot of cash being put into it, but it's probably going to benefit the production that's already in place, or it's going to be put into more of this whole carbon thing or you know, right. blue, green ammonia or something like that. We don't oh, think sure. it's going to be something that can really move that uh, supply needle. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. You can't do Greenfield with that with that kind of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, just just real quick, uh, talk to the farmers out there. What's up with, with retail fertilizer? What are, what are we looking at? How worried are you about the Mississippi? I, it's getting to be a bigger and bigger issue. Uh, is? I did yeah. a, unfortunately, I did a conference uh, where I sat on a panel. And at that time, you know, the river flows were dropping, but it was still at decent levels. And I was like, listen, I'm not too worried about it. You know, the Army Corps, the dredging operations, the boat captain crews are all doing a phenomenal job staying ahead of it. It just keeps getting worse. And so the one thing I'm really trying to press is we start moving into this fall application season, which for a lot of the North America starts up here in two weeks, is that you need to be talking to your retailer today, not November 1, not November 10, not November 15, today. Because, A, there's a lot of price risk out here in this fertilizer market. The supply chain does not want to take that risk. Not after last year. There was a lot of hickeys that were taken. And then you start to look at the logistical issues that we are going to have, that we're going to continue to have. I'm not saying they won't be able to find it. But it's not going to be at a price that you love if it's a just-in-time load. And it may not be the time frame that you want. So have those conversations today. Boy, it sounds like the kind of the kind of fall where you want to be in the front of the line rather than the back of the line. Josh Linville from Stonex, thanks so much for your time, dude. We'll talk again soon, all right? See you, buddy. Once again, Josh Linville from Stonex. Uh, coming up, we've got Dr. David Newman from the National Pork Board and Joe Kearns from Partners for Production Agriculture. We're going to check the markets with Brian Grady next on AgriTalk. Always up early. Always getting the job done. Always working as hard as you can. Always pushing for more. Because you never settle. For farmers who seek outstanding performance they can count on, the only brand is DeKalb Corn. Featuring a broad portfolio of products, precision bred to maximize profit potential on every field. DeKalb brand. Never settle. See us at DeKalb.com. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. For some farmers, soybeans are on their mind 24-7. If you're all about the beans, then Asgrow brand is all about you. That's why we've dedicated ourselves to developing truly localized products. Products with leading genetics and top-tier weed management. Products that maximize the profit potential on every acre you've got. You're serious about soybeans, and we're serious about your success. Visit Asgrow.com. It's all about the beans. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. And joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Well, Brian, I uh, spoke too soon. I called corn fractionally sideways, and now we're under some pressure, but coming back slightly. Yeah, 
little bit uh, because it's come off its lows because of uh, just a little bit, but come off the lows because of strengthened meal and, and soybeans. Uh, we got beans up about a dime and, and knocking on the $13 level in that November contract. So that that's going to be critical. If you can push above $13, you probably pick off some buy stops. Uh, but meal really has been the story of the morning so far trading. Uh, more than seven dollars higher in the December contract, and, and so that really put a charge into the uh, the soybean market. Uh, soy oil, it's under a little bit of pressure, so we're seeing uh, some spreading activity in the uh, soy complex this morning. Well, and looks like we got green on the screen in the cattle, both fat cattle and feeder cattle higher on the day. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think that we'll probably see choppy trade uh, through the week. Uh, so yesterday morning, uh, we saw some early strength and, and then late weakness in, in the cattle market uh, just kind of the opposite of that this morning and, and uh, we have the cattle on fever report coming up uh, on Friday afternoon cash cattle activity is probably going to be pushed deep into the week as a result and uh, so in all likelihood it, it's going to be a choppy week of trade in cattle futures but uh, we are showing strength here at mid-morning and then speaking of choppy uh, the hog market uh, boy it, it's two-sided and narrowly mixed here at mid-morning just not a whole lot going on uh, the fundamentals are holding it back uh, the, the cash market continues to drop seasonally here uh, so that's limiting buyer interest uh, but big discounts to the cash index are helping to support some of those contracts. Uh, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady, we will be keeping an eye on the uh, the hog and the cattle markets heading into the holidays. Uh, thanks, Brian. Markets now. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Camp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find The Scoop Podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Protect your legacy. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan for the tools and tips you need to start your emergency preparedness plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Davis Michelson here for you. Glad that you have tuned in. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation with Josh Linville there. I do like to get updates from him. Um, I'll have some thoughts in the fourth. Um, yeah, about our conversation. In the meantime, let's uh, let me bring in Dr. David Newman, Senior Vice President of Market Growth for the National Pork Board. Dr. Newman, welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, thank you for having me this morning. I appreciate the time. Uh, any chance I can impose upon you for an impromptu crop update? Are they turning and burning in your uh, neck of the woods? Yeah, harvest is uh, complete. I'm actually located in South Central Missouri, uh, so all the harvest is done. Uh, things are wrapped up here. Looked pretty good. We were actually in a fairly wet uh, area, unlike the rest of Missouri. So uh, things turned out pretty well here. The the whole Southland, there's a whole strip there that really seems to be having a, a bin-busting year there. Is, is the south half of Missouri kind of involved in that as well? Can we lump them in there? Well, you know, it, most of the south central part of Missouri is not really grain country, but when you get very close to here and you get into northeast Arkansas and the Delta, that's all, uh, you know, that's all irrigated ground. So you get some pretty good crop results out of that out of that part of the country. All right. Well, let me also bring in Joe Kearns, CEO and founder of Partners for Production Agriculture. Mr. Kearns, welcome to AgriTalk. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. Absolutely. Um, okay. What What do you see out your window there? Um, sounds like Southern Missouri's about got it wrapped up geographically. Where are you calling in from? 
Uh, Ames, Iowa, uh, kind of the garden spot of uh, uh, of everything agriculture here. Uh, bright blue skies uh, here today. We had some rain. Now, hold on here. <laughs> everything <laughs> agriculture. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Once you get, hit the intersection of I-80 and I-35, that's all you need. <laughs> so is it uh, performing as advertised this year, to the best of your knowledge? Oh, I mean, certainly we're, uh, uh, the state of Iowa is going to be right at 200 bushels to the acre on mm-hmm. corn, uh, kind of uh, in line with our brethren over in Illinois. Uh, certainly a disappointment uh, in relationship to trend line yields from a national perspective, but I don't think we can we can really grouse. Uh, that, that I think that uh, as an overall agriculture community, we've got to be amazed at the genetic potential that's sitting in that bag and then asking ourselves, what in the world kind of yields would we get if we ever get decent weather? And, and I think that's going to be a, 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 a transformational question that eventually will express itself. Uh, and in my opinion, for the benefit of animal agriculture, I hope it's very, very soon. Very good. Very good. Well, uh, Joe, let's talk about some of the realities. Um, cost of production is just the, uh, the producer's constant companion. Um, give, us a, give us a sense of where the cost of production is at currently from your view um, and and what people need to be focused on there. Sure, and and uh, over time we we've seen this steady bump up, uh, specifically the transition from 2020 to 2021, kind of into our COVID era, where we, we made this uh, almost lockstep increase in our cost of production uh, and started to deal with six dollar corn on a routine basis. Uh, that pushed us into the to the lower 90s, uh, sometimes in the best case and. Uh, the Iowa State data would show that even if you're one of the best 25 percentile uh, producers, that, that those were going to be your cost. Uh, we largely, largely didn't pay attention to that, uh, only because uh, during that same era, the revenue side of our business was, was able to compensate for those increased costs and still produce profits. Uh, the, the recent regression that we've seen in the price of our revenue, basically right back down to our pre-COVID levels as far as demand is concerned, uh, simply can't sustain these increased costs of production. And so they've evidenced themselves in a, in a relatively dramatic fashion here. I, I would tell you uh, that the hog market is not broken uh, That from, from a revenue side, that we are trading very much in line with historical trends. Uh, but, but our cost of production has risen to a degree that makes us very unprofitable. 2023 is going to go down as the worst year ever in uh, pork production from a profit per head basis. And those that were around in 1998 might start to uh, say, say, wait a minute, wait a minute, it was worse then. It was worse then for a quarter. Uh, mind you, and we've had an entire year of dismal margins across the spectrum. So uh, the cost of production is something we've got to pay attention to. Uh, the, the crop that's coming out of the ground right now uh, has led to, a, you know, a r- roughly a dollar's worth of, of um, uh, compression in the price of corn from uh, when the insurance levels were written back in February up until now. Uh, and I do think that as a production community, it is our best hope for a return to profit is uh, some normalization of corn values and feed values. Mm-hmm. Dr. Newman, um, dismal margins and market growth don't often make a very good mix, do they? They don't. It's uh, it's a trying time out here in the industry. Certainly, uh, we know that Joe kind of set the landscape there. But, uh, you know, when we talk about long term growth for the pork business, uh, we still believe that there's a tremendous amount of potential today when we talk about both a long term and a short term strategy for moving volume in this market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about the National Pork Board strategy? for market growth here in this environment? Absolutely. Uh, You know, in this role where I I oversee international market development and domestic market development both, uh, something we talk about a lot is it's not just about volume, it's gotta be about value as well. So this really isn't just about selling more pork, it's about creating long-term demand in the marketplace. And so right now uh, where we're at, certainly we have a lot of activations that are going on in the area of retail and food service as an example, um, and also in the international market space. But this is really about about creating a long-term vision and a long-term strategy that we work on every day with our partners 
uh, in the industry. That's from producers all the way through the food chain on creating this volume and value proposition. Joe, I've got in my notes here, you are the CEO and founder of Partners for Production Agriculture. Can you tell me what Partners for Production Agriculture does? What's uh, what's your angle here? Uh, sure, sure. And uh, um, my background is uh, came out of school in the mid '80s. Came out of uh, came out of Iowa State University, uh, and got into the grain trade. And that was a time when you were happy to have a job. Just as as a complete sidebar, I just spoke at a class on Friday, uh, where the placement rate now is 99.3 percent, and that last 0.7 percent wants to live in mom's basement. Back in the mid '80s, that was not the case. You were lucky to have a job. But I started on with ADM, and it was a wonderful experience. Anybody with any talent at that point in time went into the chemical industry because that's where all the money was. Uh, but I hung around. I, I stuck with it. Uh, went through some, uh, uh, got into the production ag piece with an opportunity to go down to premium standard farms uh, after being with Continental Grain for a bit uh, post ADM. And then eventually uh, worked with and for uh, Jeff Hansen at Iowa Select Farm for many, many years. Uh, during that era is when ethanol started to rear its head. And, and we had a lot of folk going, oh, my goodness what do we do we got we got real accustomed to trading two dollar and twenty cent corn and suddenly mm -hmm. when it went in 1996 up to three dollars and fifty cents uh we as a production industry looked around going wait a sec now what do we do and that was an opportunity for me um, uh, to take some of the experiences that i had and form an entity that did risk management largely for production agriculture uh it was uh, uh I, I i give a lot of credit to jeff hansen for teaching me things that i would have never otherwise had the opportunity to learn, uh, but we've parlayed that into uh, an entity. We touch about 40% of the hogs in some form or fashion in the United States. There are 22 of us within the firm uh, dealing primarily with risk management. How can, before time gets away from us, I want to make sure and get this out. How can people find out more about Partners for Production Agriculture and if it might be a good fit for them? Sure. Uh, that uh, You can see it on our website. It's uh, pfpag.com uh, or everag. Uh, we were recently acquired in 2022 with the advent of the insurance side of it coming into play. We knew we needed technology and were unable to do it ourselves. And so we're part of a bigger group at this point in time. The everag banner will be the one that we fly uh, beginning the first of the year uh, rolling forward. Okay. But in the immediate future, PF as in Frank, PAG dot com is yep. the uh, is the spot part part um yep partners doctor, for production ag yep, partners for production ag yep um dr newman i just want to give you a second to talk to producers out there i don't know pep talk what what do you got for producers out there brother yeah well listen the important thing right now is that uh, we understand the situation it, it's not good joe just mentioned 23 is going to go down it's the worst year ever we understand that and i what i can say is we're working with you we're working for you uh we're working strong in our domestic programming right now uh working with multicultural consumers working on q4 blitz um, the board of directors at the National Poor Board has is, is, is allocated dollars into strategically going after uh, demand, strategically going after moving more volume. Um, and the international market has been impressive, uh, certainly has been a huge part of what we do in this business. Uh, so working with our trading partners, working with U.S. Meat Export Federation, um, I'm committed to you to working for producers. My entire team is committed to working for producers, and uh, we're going to watch this get better together, but uh, we're in the fight with you. That's what I'd say today. Dr. David Newman, uh, Senior VP, Market Growth National Pork Board, thanks for your time this morning. Doctor, we appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. And, of course, Joe Kearns from God's Country coming out of Ames, Iowa, Partners for Production Agriculture. Uh, we appreciate your time as well, sir, and, uh, and uh, thanks for all that you do. Thanks for having me today. You bet. You bet. Joe Kearns and Dr. David Newman. Once again, that's pfpag.com, pf as in Frank, pag.com for more on Partners for Production Agriculture. I'm going to wrap up the uh, program this morning with a couple of news stories that we missed, a little perspective, and um, who knows what on AgriTalk. Glad you're with us. It's your pal, Davis Michael.
I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report, the only weekend television show that features some of agriculture's biggest names. From custom commentary from John Phipps to the stories of antique iron with Machinery Pete to a list of more than 30 marketing analysts, our weekly program focuses on the topics that matter most to you. We invite you to join us each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. Farming is dangerous. There's dangers all around us. We work around it and we live around it every day. And we just become desensitized to what's around us. We go through safety training and, you know, we try and do these things to make sure accidents don't happen, but you just never know. There are so many farmers that I think take for granted all of the underground utilities that are there. You don't want to hit a gas pipe because that's your life. The other part of it is if you hit certain things, you're liable for it. I mean, we kind of know what's out here, but all at the same time, you, you just always call. Farm Safe 811 starts with you. Whether you're installing drain tile or doing any sort of digging, always call 811 and wait for any underground lines to be marked and have the depth confirmed. That's farming with care. But if a line does get damaged, go somewhere safe and call 911. Always keep safety in the back of your mind. Just stay humble. For more information, go to farmsafe811.org. Scammers often try to dupe veterans to steal the VA benefits they've earned. Scammers may try to obtain sensitive information or collect payments over the phone, offer to move assets in order to qualify for pension, insist benefits may be sent directly to a friend or caregiver, or promise to manage benefits or file a claim for you. VA will never charge you for processing a claim, and only VA can determine eligibility. To report suspicious activity, visit va.gov forward slash OIG forward slash hotline. Anyone can choose to make a difference. You can help people succeed, rebuild after disasters, protect the environment, or feed the hungry. Not only will you make a difference for others, but for yourself. You can earn money for college, learn career skills, and make friendships that last a lifetime. Make a difference. Choose your future. Choose AmeriCorps. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in their industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. What is dedication? My biggest fear in the middle of my addiction was that my kids wouldn't have a father. And I started thinking, you know what? This isn't my story. I definitely had to become a better man to be a better father. It's important to me that my kids are empowered and truly believe that if, if they can think it, they can do it. That's dedication. Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. If you served, we want you to get the health care and benefits you earned. We want you to come to VA. There's never been a better time to apply. Under a new law called the PACT Act, we've expanded VA care and benefits to millions of people who served and their survivors. No matter where you served or how long you served, check out va.gov PACT to learn more about what VA can do for you and your family. Come, come to, to VA. VA. They say in the summer, if you listen closely, you can hear the corn grow. But what if Micro Essentials, the mighty micro, gave every single solitary stalk the superpower to grow and grow and yield more? Micro Essentials beats commodity fertilizers by packing all the balanced nutrition crops need into a single granule for more uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with Micro Essentials, the mighty micro from Mosaic. 
We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. And a fine conversation it has been so far. Your pal Davis Michelson here on AgriTalk. So glad you've tuned in. Chip is traveling today. In fact, I think he's wheels up right now. So uh, we can talk about whatever we want to. Actually, uh, we're really looking forward to uh, Chip's report. He's got Big Apple Joe with him, too. Dragging Big Apple Joe out. It's a big deal. Um, headed up to uh, check out some port activity in the PNW, and we will have a full report from the PNW tomorrow, both in the morning and in the afternoon shows. Um, before we go too much further, let's get to today's Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by MicroEssentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution and season-long sulfur availability. Supercharge your yields with the Mighty Micro from Mosaic. And uh, we talked last week about the stealth drought in parts of northeastern Iowa. Let's head more central uh, Story County, Iowa, in the central portion of the state, a grower says this, quote, Lots of stock issues where the corn plant put on a big ear and went after the stock to fill it. We had favorable conditions to set an ear, and as we started to fill, they turned stressful. Plants actually did a tremendous job of filling ears given the late season conditions. That, again, from Story County, Iowa. No indication here as how the yield stacks up to... Uh, APH or to last year or anything like that, but uh, man, stock issues uh, that that makes it tough, awfully tough, especially if you've got big ears going onto those those uh, skinny, sketchy stocks. So uh, thanks for that from Story County, Iowa. Um, and with that, let's get to uh, this here. We didn't quite get to this, and this is interesting. I don't know. We'll we'll talk to Wiesmeyer, I'm sure at some point through the week. Pro Farmers Policy OG about this he knows the ins and outs but i thought this was interesting one of the sticking points has been budget cuts uh adding things to the budget spending spending it's that's been the thing and now as we're searching for a new house speaker representative jim jordan uh the most recent nominee has put forth an unconventional proposal to avert a government shutdown scheduled for november 17 listener you might remember uh, when we were coming up to the shutdown and the government's going to be shut down, ah, they made an extension till November 17. When that runs out, Representative Jordan of Ohio has a plan. This plan involves passing a stopgap bill to maintain existing funding levels beyond April. The move is intended to trigger an automatic 1% across the board budget cut. That's a provision recently embedded in a debt limit law. Representative Jordan believes that these automatic cuts could provide Republicans with leverage in negotiations for full-year funding bills. However, the proposal has received mixed reactions, of course, among his party members, with some advocating for passing individual funding bills. Instead, the plan's success would depend on approval in the Democratic-controlled Senate. Um, advocating for passing individual funding bills instead. This part, I don't know. I'm not sure which I like better here because an automatic 1% across the board budget cut, okay, that would certainly curtail spending, but it, it does seem just a little bit, you know, like they say, when you're a hammer, everything in the world is a nail. Um, a 1% across the board budget cut would, I'm sure, be justified in some areas, but would undoubtedly leave some areas a little bit behind in funding. I'm, uh, I'm not sure if we can just take take the axe across the entire top of the budget. That's an, it's interesting. We'll have to get Wiesmeyer's take on this as it as it goes on here. But Republicans are uh, you know out glad handing, pressing the flesh on Jordan's behalf, trying to get him up to the uh, the threshold so that he could become the new House Speaker. Uh, this is interesting here. Just stick with me. Stick with me. Over the weekend, Taylor Swift's concert film, The Eras Tour. This is a, a basically a movie of her concert. I haven't seen it. Probably won't, if I'm being honest. But uh, her new movie took center stage at the box office over the weekend, raking in an impressive $92.8 million domestically. Okay? Why do we care? This is interesting. 
Consumers eager to enjoy post-pandemic experiences spent substantial amounts of their savings on live events like Taylor Swift concerts. Immediately coming out of that pandemic, Chip called it revenge spending. Hey, the, the floodgates are open. Let's party was the idea. But a Wall Street Journal Credit Karma survey reveals that nearly 60% of Americans now have had to curtail their live entertainment spending due to these rising costs. Approximately 37% of respondents struggle to keep up with event prices, and over 20% are willing to take on debt to continue enjoying their favorite entertainment activities. 20% willing to take on debt. In other words, use a card to uh, enjoy their favorite entertainment activities for example, a Taylor Swift concert. In wake of Swift's cinematic success, AMC reportedly has another concert film, Renaissance, a film by Beyonce, set for distribution on December 1. This is interesting because if people aren't willing to pay what they pay, and I've been saying for years, concert tickets, who would pay that? My wife kind of had an ongoing discussion. Who, what concert could drag us out of the house you know with a concert some people really enjoy them i'm kind of an introvert to be honest i go to a lot of stuff but i'm more usually when i'm out on uh weekends week weekend nights and stuff i'm playing i'm performing i'm i'm up on stage i'm in the bubble you know i'm not out among people that i i don't like that quite as much and so if i can see an artist uh, if I can just stream it into my house, I can save money on those expensive concert tickets. I don't have to spend 10 bucks for an adult beverage. Um, and my lady and I can sit here in peace, watch the show, enjoy it, rewatch it if we like, if we miss a part. Hey, this is my favorite part of the song. Back it up 10 times. You're there and you don't have to pay 100 bucks a ticket or however much people are paying. I have Anywho, that's my two cents. Uh, thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, great conversations. Thanks to my guests, Josh Linville, of course, Dr. David Newman, and Joe Kearns, uh, and, of course, Karen Bonert. This afternoon, we'll have Mark Welch from Texas A&M. We'll be discussing markets and um, supply-side issues, all sorts of things. Matt Bennett will check in from agmarket.net. Uh, and then, of course, tomorrow morning we'll have Chip live from the Pacific Northwest. Thanks for tuning in this morning. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. AgriTalk comes back this afternoon, 2.06 Central Time. Hope to see you there. Somewhere around 400 feet off the ground, an RPG came through the belly of the aircraft. When I first got out, I felt like my whole life had been smushed down to just medical appointments. I was going to occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy. We don't talk about the female combat wounded. These are our, our daughters and our sisters and our mothers. I'm not sure I would still be here if I didn't find the Friends and Wounded Warrior Project that I did. Because there was a long period after the injury where I really didn't understand why I was still here. It felt like I had lost everything. Wounded Warrior Project came into my life and taught me how to stand back up and get back in the fight. The truth is, I think we all have this strength inside of us, but until you're tested, you just don't know it's there. See how Wounded Warrior Project empowers women veterans like Beth by visiting woundedwarriorproject.org slash empowerwomenvets.